Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in association with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, and today I'm talking to Matt Archambault. He's Riot's head of esports partnerships and business development for North America. Matt, thanks for joining the podcast. The reason we're talking to Matt today is because they're announcing a expanded partnership with Nielsen. I was going to say a new partnership. They already have a partnership in place with Nielsen to track esports viewers. They're expanding that into something called Live Plus Viewership, which helps them include uh, the viewership from VODs as well as live broadcasts. We're also going to be talking... Uh, about that original partnership with Nielsen and what average minute audience numbers the metric that Nielsen provides is saying about esports viewership as a whole. So jumping right in, Matt, what is Live Plus viewership and how is it different from what the viewership was or how viewership was being counted in the past? Yeah, so I mean, I think the the real easy way to look at this is is drawing more comparisons to traditional linear broadcasts, right? The way that we have historically and still to date have been measuring everything uh, in terms of our, 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 our LCS broadcasts and live sports is, is really all predicated around live. So it's effectively just capturing what happens that live moment. But we also realize that there are a tremendous amount of audience that is following up on watching VODs the following day, the following two days after, three days after. So what Live Plus is going to allow us to do is effectively create that measurement tool, that direct compilation that gets directly back to where you might have the C3 or C7, that traditional linear TV and cable TV and everything else has been following for years, and allow us to do that. Because the esports audience is a little bit different. Um, you know, They love to watch everything live, absolutely. That's where average minute audience comes into play. Um, but they also love to go back and consistently watch and replay and try to learn and, and educate themselves. And I think because the games are so unique and because League is such a fascinating product, it's very hard to master. Everyone wants to go back and, and watch those great replays and, and see all their pros that they're looking up to. Definitely. And it's not just the replays. I mean, it's such a global audience. If I think back to Worlds last year, those games were on at 2, 3 in the morning uh, for a West Coast North American League fan. So there's a lot of people who, you know, I tried to stay up for them as many times as I could, but I'd be lying <laughs> if I said I was, <laughs> I watched every one of those games live. And so it was, you know, get up in the morning, don't check social media, watch the VOD. And that was my, uh, my daily routine throughout for basically a month last fall. So I think it's really important as there's such a global audience that people want to see uh, what's happening in the LCK or the LEC, even when the games are happening in the middle of the night. So I think across the board, people are probably going on to watch VODs to catch up on, you know, regions that they wouldn't be paying attention to in traditional sports. You know, it's not a worry for the NFL or the NBA unless they're uh, looking at an overseas audience. So for North American people, esports is a little bit special and League of Legends especially because you really want to watch those games that are often at some wonky hours uh, just because of how global the audience is. Yeah, I mean, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, you know, looking back even at last year, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be in Paris. I was able to watch Worlds uh, live, which was amazing. Um, but back in back in L.A., we were actually looking to do viewing parties. And so, of course, we were reaching out to places and trying to set them up for 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. And you can imagine a lot of the phone calls and a lot of the uh, probably, like, you know, weird um weird eye stares that we may have gotten across the phone you're like you want to do what at four o'clock in the morning are people really going to show up or like actually yes people will show up we're not even charging tickets they won't be there they want to just you know like enjoy everything that's going on so that fact in and of itself 
people, you know, it, the sport, because of the fact that also the way that we're set up with our 12 regional leagues, people want to see what's going on all around the world. They want to know how those regional leagues are doing and how they're going to ladder up into the next international event. And so that's really exciting. I mean, we have some tremendous pros uh, in the LPL and the LCK and the LEC, obviously in the LCS. Uh, you know, CB Lowell, uh, you name it. So it's it's really exciting for people to to watch. They wanna, they love their, they have their home fans, right? They absolutely go, will go crazy for everything that they love. But they want to see how everyone else is playing, how they're playing those champions, uh, and a lot of the different skill sets that they're they're bringing to light. So. Yeah, especially for North American fans, you really want to see how last year the LPL haven't been able to play this year, unfortunately, and the LCK are doing it because they're historically the most successful league. So. Uh, I think a large part of it is just like, let's go see what they're doing because, wow, it's usually just absolutely insane. And just a just a step ahead of the LCS. I'm a huge LCS guy, but got to be uh, got to be honest. There's still a little step ahead. Just just a little bit. You see it in the gameplay. Well, it's it's a different it's a different game. Um, I mean, I look if, if I'm going to be honest, I obviously I love the LCS. I love I love all of my teams. They're all phenomenal. They're they're well, I, every one of them is significantly better than me. I'll just put it that way. Um, but uh, you know, I think as you look at it, like obviously the LPL has won two years in a row. The LCK has, I think, still to date more championships than any other region. Uh, so both Korea and China have just been really really dominant in the league. Um, and it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, obviously the LEC is really picked up this this past year uh, as well. And I mean, we were off to a pretty interesting start at the beginning of this year. We've got Cloud9 who's undefeated, and uh, you know they shook up their roster a little bit going into the start of this split. And it's been uh, it's been pretty interesting how they've been playing. So I think everyone's trying to learn from each other, and uh, you know fans similarly. They they want to consume this content and they want to watch it live. But of course, you know to your point. If it's on at one o'clock in the morning, it might not be the easiest thing for you to do. Is just you know time time set your calendar and then also watch that for six hours and get up and go to work. So being able to watch the the vods, uh, being able to watch the the live plus, if you will, is a really interesting angle. And I think being able to bring those metrics together and do that with Nielsen to ensure that we have the credibility to do so will uh, will really be able to change I think some perceptions of just how how this audience consumes the product, which is very different uh, you know than traditional sports. What's the breakdown like of the VOD audience versus the live audience? Do you have it as detailed as like percentage splits? This is the average percentage of people that watch live versus watch a VOD of a specific match? Um, so we, last year was really the first year we dove into that uh, in, in much more of a, I think, defined and, and um, structured fashion. You know, we have always known that people will watch our VODs. I mean, you can check it out just by going to YouTube, which is historically where we've had all of our VODs, and you can see the, you know, the millions and millions of views, um, you know, for just specific matches or just for the entire full VOD. Uh, but what we wanted to be able to do is go beyond that because obviously just just seeing a view is a metric that may or may not mean anything, right? As, as we look forward in media and try to get a little bit more granular about what we're doing. So we had Nielsen do a full run through of all of the VODs, uh, effectively all, everything that ran uh, for the LCS last year. And just preliminarily, we saw a double digit increase in viewership. So, I mean, you're effectively looking at, you know, 10 plus percentage of people that are chiming in for VODs in the first three to four days. And so that was effectively the aha moment where we said, hey, there's a suspicion and a hypothesis that we had here, and now it's actually proven to be, to be accurate. So now we're really excited to, uh, again, bring this to market in a, in a very different way. 
So then expanding into the AMA metric as a whole, it's about a year, I believe, since Riot first uh, partnered with Nielsen to get AMA, which is average minute audience. It's what Nielsen uses to measure traditional linear television across all sports. And the 2019 world saw 21.8 million in AMA. So the most for an NBA finals game last year was about 18 million. That's how the stats read to me. I'm not sure if that 18 million is the exact AMA, but to me, it looked like Worlds was more popular than the NBA Finals. Is that how you understand the data as well? Uh, well, I can't necessarily speak for the, the direct comp to the NBA and the NBA Finals as you just laid it out. But I think the reason that I can, um, what I can actually dive into a little bit deeper is the reason that we've been going after AMA or average minute audience is to that exact point to draw a similar co uh, composition and correlation between the traditional sports and us so that you can actually measure who's doing what and how popular the sport is and league health at the end of the day. And so being able to say, you know, you, you actually just were on for more hours, like that's, that's great, but that could also mean gameplay was extended, right? I mean, to say that you had a five game series versus a three game series and you had more hours, that doesn't necessarily mean that more people were watching. It just, you know, depends on, they were just watching for a longer period of time. So for us, it really comes down to finding that concentrated group and being able to expand that. So that average minute audience gets there. And obviously with Worlds uh, and with Worlds in 2019, um, sorry, 2018 and then 2019, uh, being able to continue to increase the AMA and effectively continue to set records, uh, it's a really, really great story of just having people be so excited about the, the culmination of a full year and having the best of the best out there competing. But I mean, I think if you were to try and draw a simple uh, correlation, you know, you could you could do the math and average that one number is higher than the other. But uh, I would probably <laughs> let someone from from Nielsen add a little bit more granularity to that versus uh, being on the um, you know the, the the Homer train that I am from from League of Legends esports. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's how the numbers read to me. I can't tell exactly how ratings translate to AMA, but I'm pretty sure that's how it's supposed to read. But like you said, there's a lot of other details that go into that. Uh, the NBA Finals is over six whole games. The World Stat is for Worlds, I believe, just the Grand Finals, so just one series. A bit more complicated there. Uh, can you, you talk about how previous metrics used, like total hours watched, peak concurrence, uh, average concurrence, all these different metrics were used to, to formulate esports event. How important was it to add consistency into those metrics and make it so we can really figure out exactly how many people are watching a given event? Yeah, I think that's a it's a really core uh, competency for the continued maturity of of esports in general. You know, if you go back to well, again, we've we've been doing this for this is our tenth year of doing esports. You know, the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, they're all pushing, you know, into centennial of being around. So we're, we're still in the very early days here. But when you have a multitude of publishers, a multitude of solutions, and everyone's throwing out different metrics, it makes it very difficult for, for partners and for teams to, to understand like, what is the actual true health of that product, right? If I just threw out billions of impressions, that might sound really great to you. But... I don't actually know if that holds any credibility. So being able to sit down, work with Nielsen and, and Doug Watson, actually, who leads our global analytics team, is, we did a lot of work on this front, to be able to help identify a consistent methodology and metric 
that grit brings us, you know, from some of the fog of war into a more of a maturity level where we can go out with that consistent metric. It's effectively the same across a multitude of publishers that are now all, all, you know, effectively following the same thing. And that allows us to then go out to those potential partners, go out to our teams, go out to everyone else and communicate this is where we're at and that, that line. So that to me is, is a really important thing because again, as the business matures and as everyone starts to look at it, we want to be able to have a, a consistency that we can actually communicate to the, to the world. Definitely. And you mentioned about how the business is maturing and recently Riot has done a great job of bringing in these massive brands that are so used to advertising in sports brands like Nike and MasterCard. How important was it for these brands to come in that you could provide them metrics that they could understand in the frame of traditional sports? Because that's the frame they're used to spending their ad dollars in. How important was it making it like traditional sports for these brands to help bring them into the space and bring them into League of Legends? I definitely think there's a component of it. Uh, I wouldn't say that I would put like all of my, you know, coins in that in that one particular segment of the pie. Um, I think there's just general sense of, you know, from a from a North American perspective, you know, the LCS is a franchise league, right? So we have our teams that we also need to talk to. Teams are trying to to grow and enhance themselves, right? So there's there's just a general understanding of being able to provide more visibility for all of our stakeholders, right? Whether those are partners, uh, whether those are their the client direct or agents. Um, or for that matter, the the, um, the teams. We want to make sure that we can we can bring this out of that that fog of war. And so, but absolutely, having some of those early adopters in the State Farms, the Mastercards of the world that that came in, Alienware. Some of it was, hey, this is what we can provide, but we're going to strive to get better. Like, what do you guys need to do? And let's try and find a way to, to actually get there. And I believe that as we've been building this consistency and we've been able to provide more of these metrics, it's helping a lot of those early adopters who had come in feel like, hey, you know what? I made the right decision. Like, this is this is awesome. We are so excited to be here. And then they're, they want to stick around more. I think it's also opening the door for additional brands that I like to call, like, you know, effectively, um, you know, adjacent brands, um, you know, versus uh, endemic adjacent, if you will, versus just saying that they're, they're either endemic or non-endemic. Um, because it's sports and effectively sports is, uh, is everyone's adjacent to sports, if you will. So um, the way we really want to look at it is it helps. It also helps to seed some of the baseline for, for those other new brands to come into market. I mean, obviously getting Bud Light on board for the LCS this year was, was fantastic. That is not something that would have happened on a whim and a prayer. There's obviously a lot of regulatory things and other methodologies that need to go into it just to be able to, to make sure everyone feels good. Definitely. That Bud Light deal was super interesting. I wasn't totally expecting a beer sponsor, and I know this isn't what we're asking, but I can't pass up the opportunity. Uh, Was there a little bit of a difficult nature in in bringing in a beer sponsor, given the... I think there's direct regulations on what percentage of your audience needs to be a certain age to bring in a beer sponsor. Am I making that up, or is that part of what goes into bringing in a, a beer partner to a league? were spot on so and it's effectively any alcohol um obviously beer has been one that that has come into the the foray in sports a lot more than others but the general metric that you need to uphold is 71.6 percent of your audience obviously i've memorized that for a reason um (laughs) that needs to be that needs to be over 21 years old or effectively above uh, legal drinking age and so we were able to identify 
uh, as we did some work in the early days as to whether or not this was even viable on top of a, a slew of other things uh, that we wanted to make sure that we that we have held, obviously going back to our players and our fan base and making sure that they all feel good about it. Uh, but we found that effectively 75% of our viewership is over the age of 21. So checking off that initial box was really a huge step for us to then start to say, all right, let's let's figure out where do we go, how do we manifest this, and, and what can we bring to market. Cool. Did Nielsen play any part in determining those metrics and getting all that audience data of, you know, who's watching these games? Was that part of what allowed Bud Light to become a partner in the first place? absolutely wanted to go to a viable third party and because of the relationship we have with Nielsen we uh we spent a little bit time talking to Nicole and team to understand where where those benchmarks and guardrails are and um so absolutely Nielsen was helpful for us in terms of being that viable third party because obviously from a legal perspective I can tell you that my age you know that my age is a is a certain number but that doesn't really hold water from a regulatory standpoint so again finding that third party to be able to look at it um, it was, was a huge help. Yeah, I was going to say, if you just use the average age that people submit online, you're not going to find a very accurate database right there. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, uh, the, self, um, the self-regulated, here is my age, here's how much money I make, is always a great benchmark and baseline. But you're right, if everyone says that they're 62 years old, that's probably not the correct accuracy. Uh, if everyone else says that they're 12 years old, we also know that's not the case. So I think a little bit again, there's a hypothesis just of we see who our fans are. We know who shows up. We know who buys tickets. Um, you know, we have a sense of their ages as well. Um, you know, if they buy 50 tickets, we can't tell exactly how many of their friends. But uh, I think for us, they're definitely the self-reporting versus a third party. Uh, third party usually goes a long way. Yeah, and you definitely want to make sure you have everything uh, in in a row when the FCC might possibly get involved or whoever is uh, regulating this. You're like, let's make sure we're good about this before they they pull off the wool and be like, oh no, all these people are 16. So let's get Nielsen in here and you know <laughs> confirm this audience data just to be safe. Absolutely. So the final thing I want to talk to you about is uh, where the LCS ranks in terms of the other American sports leagues. So obviously America has these really ingrained long-standing sports leagues. You've got the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, the MLB, the MLS. Nielsen's data is now allowing the LCS to compare to where these sports leagues are. Where does it fall in the scope of viewership compared to the other five major American sports leagues? I'm happy to say, so our, our core demographic is 18 to 34 year olds. Um, we do skew male, but the 18 to 34 year old is effectively our, our core um, our core metric. So that's that's how we've uh, framed a lot of this because that's, that's who we know where we're at. It's also what we know most marketers and, and brands and everyone's looking for. Uh, but if you look through that lens, I, I can say that the LCS is the third most watched professional sports league in this country. Um, there are two leagues that are bigger than me. Um, one of them you mentioned earlier in this conversation, uh, they happen to play on a, on a hardwood floor and dribble around <laughs> ball. Um, the other one happens to have uh, one of the other biggest events in the world, uh, the Super Bowl. And those are the only two leagues that actually have, have more eyeballs uh, watching the, the sport. So I think it's really a huge testament to 
our fan base to our baseline. Our league's been around for seven years. Uh, we were started in 2013. And to see that that, that audience growth and, and really just what we've seen as a, a consistent, steady uh, baseline is, is a tremendous, tremendous feat, I think, for, for any league. And it also just speaks to you know how popular the game is and, and how popular the leagues and their personalities within that can be. Absolutely. I love the, the league on a hardwood floor now. Don't pay any attention to the fact that half the LCS teams are owned by owners who play in that league with the hardwood floor, but it's uh, still a competition, I suppose, for those eyeballs. Uh, hey, you know what? That's hence the reason I might not have mentioned that league by name. We have a, a <laughs> tremendous amount of respect for, for all professional leagues. I think to that point, uh, anytime we have owners meetings, as, as we're trying to figure out ways to level up our own performance and our, our own league and figure out what we can do and what we can't do, we're always looking at some of those other more traditional leagues here in the, in the U.S., the NBA, the NFL, MLS, NHL, uh, PGA Tour, you name it, just to get a sense of, okay, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and obviously having ownership um, you know, that is connected to all those sports gives us a little bit of, uh, you know, sometimes how the sausage is made, uh, so that we can, you know, try and try and be a better setup. Definitely. I think it's really important. There's a lot of lessons to be learned from traditional sports. And there's also a lot of things that esports does unique that traditional sports could learn from as well. One more thing, getting back to the viewership, just to wrap it up. When we had the wild west of esports viewership before distorting data was a bit easier and people would come up with these conclusions that probably weren't grounded in reality. One main one that was well popularized was uh, League of Legends Worlds is bigger than the Super Bowl. And this was back in like 2016. Was there a little bit of worry from the esports community that, you know, you'd lose some of these maybe sensationalized headlines that grabbed mainstream i'm pretty sure that originally came from like a cnbc article uh back in 2016 and it was cited all over the place so for esports to now have this actual audience and be able to make apples to apples comparisons was there a little bit of a worry that you'd have you'd lose these sensationalized headlines these big headlines these big grabs uh, in favor of more accurate data or is it just like this is something we need to do to push esports forward, to bring brands in. And also people realize that, hey, these numbers might not be, it might not be fair to compare peak concurrence to uh, whatever metric you're using on the traditional sports side. Where does that fall in the in the internal conversations? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? So I think as you look back at, at some of those uh, sensationalistic headlines, if you will, or tabloid-esque headlines that can come across, uh, we're never going to be opposed. I don't think anyone in the industry is going to be upset if things are said. Uh, it really just comes down to who's saying it and where is it rooted, right? Um, so it wasn't someone from Riot who was coming out and pounding our chest and saying that we were effectively just letting letting the world take off with the phenomenon that is esports and, and is our world championships. So, you know, we're happy to do that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, there's there's it really just comes down to education. And people necessarily don't understand. I, I will sometimes say that esports is the greatest um, is the greatest mystery that everyone knows. Uh, and I say that simply because like the people who know about esports, and I already mentioned we're the third most watched league in this country, there's a lot of people that have eyes on it, but there's also a huge populace that still believe that these are kids that are sitting in a basement somewhere and need to stop playing games and they should study. And then you start to realize that there's scholarships and that you can get Letterman's jacket in League of Legends. And, you know, there, there's a whole path to pro system that's been concocted that just didn't exist 10 years ago. And so 
I think part of it is just education. And if some of these headlines start to put us like in, in front of others to then be able to continue to drive and, and spread goodwill into what we're doing and how, how our world is set up. That to me is really unique. Um, obviously having Tyler on the good morning America ninja on good morning America, I think a year or so ago, half the world was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like I didn't know this thing existed. And of course, you know, Epic is sitting there probably smiling, going like, yeah, well it's Fortnite. Everyone knows it exists. Right. Um, and so it's, it's usually pretty exciting when these things start to happen and the, the clash of the pop culture versus uh, the gaming world all collide, I think that's really unique. And when you start to see, you know, the CNBCs of the world and, you know, and the Fox businesses of the world and, and uh, you know, the Reuters of the world start to pick up and, and come into play here, I think it's a really, it, it, it sets, that's where you've seen the businesses mature, right? That's where you, you're getting to a different, a different plethora. For us, we just want to make sure that we can be as transparent as possible. And by setting these benchmarks, it allows us to more accurately compute and compare and also effectively just decrease the, the shroud of, are they trying to hide something or not? Because uh, that's not what we're about. It's all about transparency and it's about players first. Definitely. And you don't need to hide anything anymore. You're the third most popular sports league uh, between 18 and 34 years old, which is a great stat. League of Legends doesn't necessarily need to be bigger than the Super Bowl right now. It's already the third largest uh, American sports league. It's beating out the MLB, the MLS, the NHL for eyeballs in a very prime demographic and a demographic that very sports heavy, 18 to 34 skewing male. So you know, League of Legends can can take that, uh, can bring that transparency, and it only says really good things about the popularity of League uh, going forward. Yeah, and look, we're we're really excited about that. You know, when we we were going through everything last year, we wanted to make sure we we had some preliminary numbers, but we obviously wanted to make sure that we were accurate as we went through it. And uh, I think it's one of the times that I'm happy to say that I am in third. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm not too far. I'm not too upset to be behind it. Obviously, the NFL is the NFL. It's a whole different ball game. But you know, I, I keep saying our north star is, is to get the NBA. Uh, so we're we're working towards that. It might take a little bit of time, but you know, we've got our eyes entrenched on it. And I know our commissioner is also very happy when he can walk around saying that uh, you know he's the commissioner of the third most watched league in, in the country. So that's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting, and it's only going to increase with the new live plus viewership in partnership with Nielsen that Riot is announcing today. Matt, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It was great talking to you. Absolutely. Cheers. Have a great one.